everybody, and welcome to episode 17 of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I am, as always, Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle, the beautiful Northwest. Um, and as I was hoping, I have a, a guest with me today. So welcome back, Tony! Yay! Oh, hello. <laughs> so, so number 17, huh? Yeah. La- last episode, we were able to drive. Yep. So there you go. And, and, and next episode, you can be drafted into war. Oh, why'd you have to make it dark? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. But anyway, so you came up with a really great topic while we were watching No Way Home the other day. By the way, great movie. Mm-hmm. Minus, I have my issues with the ending. It's, yeah, I'm not going to get into spoiler territory, but I thought the ending was a little bit bothersome, but... I could look past it for what the rest of the movie did. All right. So if we're not talking about that during the episode, we'll, we'll have to discuss that because I don't see anything wrong with it. <sighs> okay. Spoiler warning to anybody who doesn't want to hear this. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it out there real quick. I thought it was a bit bad that the way they just, oh, we're just going to delete delete Peter Parker from everybody's memory. It It doesn't make sense except for the fact that I have a feeling this is a play like, okay, he's now forgotten, but he's not gone. Therefore, after Disney brings their lawyers to bear and gets the property back, they can bring him back in. I really feel that's their play here, but I could be wrong, but that's a totally different topic. You brought it up. I had to, I had to say it. So, um, but no, your, your, your topic was you, you thought about the fact of like, we were talking about Thomas Hayden Church coming back from that one. And we we're talking about how bad Spider-Man 3 was. But I was like, at least they gave Thomas Hayden Church a chance to show what he can do in a much better movie. Because I thought he was really good in 3. Had they just left him as the villain, it would have been a much better movie. But bringing in Venom and bringing in the horrible version of Goblin. Well, well how many comic book movies felt have fallen into that trap over the years? Well, by all rights, we're talking about watching a movie that, by all rights, by that that standpoint, should have fallen apart. Six villains. Six. That's true. That's true. But, man, that's definitely the exception of the rule. Yeah, it, it's definitely, it doesn't definitely pro, uh, does not prove the rule. That is for sure. But, so yeah, we're going to talk about good performances in, I'm going to say okay movies, because some of the movies I've even thought of, they're not horrible movies. But they may have probably been elevated by that good performance. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. But uh, so, like you know, since I've already said it, Thomas Hayden Church in Spider-Man Three. Like I said, I thought that his his take on Kane Marco is that what his full name is? Uh huh. Okay, I always forget Sandman's real name. Um, but yeah, I thought he brought a legitimate, like, compassionate character. You know, he was this guy that was yeah, he was a bad guy, but he was almost doing it for the right reasons. Right, right. He, uh, that, that, that's a real Stan Lee trope is uh, uh, the villains aren't always necessarily evil. They're, they're just flawed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, a real, it's a real Stan Lee trope. I mean, I don't think he really came up with too many villains that were just straight up evil for the sake of being evil. Maybe Green Goblin was maybe his closest, and that's and that's explained away with him being crazy. Well, yeah, I would say even then, though, it's, it's more of a product of... A, t- a dual personality than really yeah, Norman himself being bad. Uh-huh. 
But I thought that Thomas Hayden Church took this character that I remember when they announced Sandman, I'm like, really, they're going with Sandman? That's kind of a weird villain to go with. But then the more I watch his character, more I'm like, dude, he is drawing me in. Uh-huh. Um, and I put very much parallels to, uh, you know, the take on Harvey Dent in Dark Knight. I think he's right up there with it, where you've got this guy that's, he's a bad guy, but he's very compassionate as a bad guy. And so you get this really good delivery of the performance as well as being like, you know, you you're almost rooting for the bad guy to get redeem at redemption at the end. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's, that's probably like one of my favorite comic book ones though, is yeah. like, cause that movie was bad. I'm sorry. Like I've never gone back and watched it since I saw it in theaters, but yeah, it's definitely a meme worthy movie, but, uh, <laughs> But uh, Thomas Hayden Church, though, like, I never, he's never struck me as an actor with, like, you know, large acting range. I only remember seeing him in, like, maybe Wings before before he was in that movie. And that was another thing is, yeah, you watch him in Wings and you're like, okay, so he's good at playing an idiot. Because yeah, he was yeah. kind of that lovable idiot. But then I remember I saw, um, me and Michelle watched Sideways with uh, Paul Giamatti. And he put in a good performance there, of course, in that one. He was a complete douchebag. But so it was like, I, I remember thinking, okay, this guy can act, but he's also taking a character. Like I said, he's also taking a character that I really didn't see much potential in. And maybe that's why, it st- maybe that's another reason it stands out to me is he took a villain that I really didn't think should have worked. And he made him jump out of that screen as this amazing character. I really wanted him to get that redemption. I don't even remember if he got it at the end of that movie or not. Cause that's how little I remember about that movie. I almost think for that same reason, uh, there's a chance that Morbius might surprise you in the same way. I, I've seen a couple of people uh, reviewing it, and it doesn't sound like it's uh, it's holding up very well. I mean, the, the character uh, the co- character may be good, but I think that one's got an uphill battle just because Jared Leto. Um, oh, yeah. Jared Leto, nine times out of ten, is going to just completely flub a role to me. Yeah. But that's beside the point. Okay, you you have a really. I know you had a really good example of one, so I'm gonna go ahead and let you introduce this one and give your explanation as to why you think this one stands up. Oh, uh, or, or, or are you talking about uh, uh, Crow? Vincent Pere- yes, Vin- Vincent Perez. Vincent Perez and the Crow. That movie, I, 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 there's no defense for that movie. That movie is awful. Okay. Um, that, that movie is awful. You're, you're, you're gonna. You're gonna Counterpoint on that one? Wow. This 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 hurts because no, I'm not going to 100 percent defend the movie because I think like 70 to 80 percent of that movie is decent. What kills that movie is the end. About the time you have the main villain kill the crow, drink its blood, and all of a sudden he's got the crow's powers. I'm like, what? Where did? Mm-hmm. No, but I think. <laughs> Up until that point, it's not a horrible movie. It's by no means it, but I mean, it's it's also a completely unnecessary sequel. I mean, mm-hmm. the original Crow is a genius movie to me. Maybe it it's my own personal taste on that one. I mean, you know, Brandon Lee's last performance, I think he put in a great performance. You know, being a big fan of the the graphic novel, um, it did a really good job at taking that while tweaking a lot of it at the same time. Uh-huh. Um, but then you had, yeah, you had city of angels, which was 
this weird kind of like, yeah, they took the little girl from the original movie and made her grown up. And now you've got this aspect with a new crow. And I think his story was good. And I think Vincent Perez definitely elevates that movie a lot higher than it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's a complete abomination. I'll put it that way. I'm not going <laughs> to defend it and say it's a great movie. You're kinder than I am, but, uh, but no, his performance was, uh, I thought it was nuanced in points and, uh, he just showed a lot of range and it's like, and I, and I, I know I've told you before, I, he's one of those actors where I thought he was on the verge of superstardom. He, you know, this is going to be his breakout role, but he never quite went that way. He just kept on doing, uh, indie films, period pieces. So what the, he, I mean, he wasn't queen of the damned at least, but. Uh, I was going to say he, you know, like I, you must've done more research on him than I have. Cause I only can think of two movies he's been in yeah. Crow city of angels and, uh, yeah. Queen of the damned. And I think he did a good job at queen of the damned. I thought, mm-hmm. uh, What's his butt? Stuart Townsend did a much better version of Lestat than fucking Tom Cruise. <laughs> I agree with that. But you know, honestly, not uh, a great movie either, though. So you know, I was gonna say honestly, uh, I, I didn't include it on the list, but Queen of the Damned. I would almost say Aaliyah's performance elevates that movie for the little parts she does. Yes, and I well, I think I think there's a kind of a trio behind that one that kind of gets that one going though. Because like I said, I think Vincent. Uh, Vincent Perez does a really good job as, oh God, who he was. Oh God, who who was he in that again? I, I forgot his name. Was he Armand? I I want to say yes. I don't remember. You know, no, 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 no. He was uh, Marius. Marius, thank you. Okay, I just remember there was, I'm like, I'm really bad at the Anne Rice verse, so to speak. Well, who isn't? Um, well, yeah, good luck trying to keep well, up with that one. We're, we're not 13-year-old emo girls. <laughs> I actually I wouldn't even say they're like I've I've never been a f- big fan of Anne Rice's books. I'll put it that way. Like I think she writes incredibly dry, but yeah. Um, but like Stuart Townsend did a really good job as Lestat mm-hmm. as far as being you know the rock star version, and then mm-hmm. yeah, Aaliyah comes in with her what little she's in the movie, and she did a really good job in that role. Which kind of makes it even more sad that I think that was her final role. I think it was too. God, but what the, is it with the, people dying after doing movies and their performances are always so great in the movies and they, just before they die? Yeah, <sighs> yeah. The, the whole the whole, it's the whole James Dean thing, right? Live fast, <sighs> die young. But yeah. uh, uh, but no, I, I loved her performance. Like the way she carried herself on screen, she was she she was almost reptilian. Yeah, like, I could see that. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, like you, you could see, she had a flow. Yeah, like you could see. Yeah, this this is a predator. This is somebody that eats people, not somebody you want you want you want to be friendly with. But at the same time, she was strangely hypnotic, so uh-huh. you could see somebody being like almost like you know like pulled into her into a trance into her, her orbit just in time to realize, oh, I fucked up. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's that's her. so. So there we go. We got an extra one in there. There you go. A little honorable <laughs> mention. Yeah. And I I heard I just heard a cameo from uh, my baby girl. It sound like oh, clacking yeah. around in the background. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm gonna put out one here, and I know I'm gonna get crap for this just because of who it involves. Oh, yeah. But I yeah, am an yeah. I am an unadulterated Carl Urban fan, so I'm just gonna say I think he was probably the only thing worth watching Doom for. That movie <laughs> was horrible. 
Yes, yes, it was. I will give a, a slight honorable mention to The Rock because he was still green in that, but he did a decent job. But Carl Urban carried that movie to me. Uh, carried it to where? Oh, I'm, I didn't like. I said I'm not saying it's a no. genius movie. I'm just saying I think he made it a little better than what it what, what it could have been. I don't know. I want to say with that one, he he was. I'll agree with you. He was the best part of that movie, but he did nothing to elevate it. <sighs> I don't know. Like I, like I said, I freely admit this may just be my <laughs> my complete rose colored glasses <laughs> as far as the uh, the Carl Urban side of it. Uh, but I mean, I also felt that way though about Chronicles of Riddick. I thought that movie was not good, especially yeah. when you compare it to the first one, uh Pitch Black. You know, and he did a really good job in that movie even though the movie was crap in the long yeah. run. I mean, yeah. Eh, but I mean, what what can you do? I mean, it's one good performance can only do so much. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I, I figured that one would probably go quick because I knew you were not. I know you <laughs> do not like Doom, and like I don't. I don't even majority of the time like Doom. I just uh, I can watch it for his performance and call it I okay. Think, I think if you were going to talk about uh, if you wanted to propose Carl Urban's performance elevating a movie, I would I would put out their dread. Oh, but that's just a good movie. That's not like that. That I. I, I don't know. I think it's good because of him. I don't. I think if you had somebody else there, that's an average movie. And that's that's a good that is a good argument. I don't know, like as I could like a good thing to prove it is I can't think of anybody else I'd rather see in that part. Mm-hmm. Then again, that's that could also go back to the whole thing of it worked so well that now you can't picture anybody else in that part. Well, when your only other choice is well, you can look at Sylvester Stallone's version. <sighs> Like, which, no. <laughs> which destroyed the dread character in the first five minutes when he takes the fucking helmet off, yeah. and that's and that's that's something I'll give credit to Carl Urban for. Is like you know he they wanted him to take the helmet off in the movie, and he's like, no, dread doesn't remove the helmet. No, he kept the helmet, so he had his face covered majority, like majority of his face covered most of the movie. But he also, yeah, he nailed that. You know, he nailed that movie, and and yeah, if you, I guess if you think about it from the standpoint, it pretty much is just a. Uh, an American version of the Raid Redemption from uh, Thailand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you know, you could say, you know, yeah, he kind of had to just take a, a remake movie and make it his own. So, but then again, I also think Lena Headey does a great job as uh, Mama, I think is what her character's name is. Oh, in that. That, th- yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think she does a really good job as just the complete sadistic woman at the top of that oh. building. You're not going to get an argument from me. I, I'm mesmerized by her. Almost anything I see her in. That's fair. Now, is it even more when she shows her she shows her titties? Come on. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> you, you didn't have to go there. I knew about her before Game of Thrones. Come on now. Well, and she also showed him in 300. That's right. I forgot about that. Sorry, it was a it was a shameless joke. I just had to put it out there. Um. Okay, so you want to? Tr- so I'll go for my next. Go ahead and throw then. one. And. uh I know you'll, I, you'll probably agree with this one. Um, I would say R- Richard Armitage's performance in the Hobbit movies, in the, in the Hobbit trilogy. I will give you that one. He, it, you know, his, it would have been, it would have been okay, I think, without him. Because I really think that, I think Martin Freeman does a good job at carrying those movies. But the nuance in Richard Armitage 
watching him movie to movie, especially in the third movie, he really sells that movie. So I um, I can hundred percent see what you're saying on this one. Yeah. Yeah. My thought on that one was yeah the Hobbit the Hobbit movies aren't bad. They're too long though. It didn't have to be three parts. Oh no! Even um, but, even but if, uh, Peter Jackson has made comments about how he wished they went to gone three movies. Yeah, they had but to pad it is, too much. Uh, if you're gonna draw it out like that, though, that's what gave you that performance. Well, yeah, his sl- his slow descent into madness is what what allows you to get to that third movie and be like, okay, I can handle this. Let's get through the third one here. Yeah, but you could have cut out the the needless love story between Evangeline Lily and the dwarf. You could have cut out some smaller things and made it a two. I mean, you could have had his slow descent into madness in two movies. Yeah, I always yeah, saw it yeah. as two movies. Have it, you know, leaving the Shire to getting to the mountain in your first movie. Have the second movie be the, you know, the interaction with Smog onward. And you were fine. You could have done two, two and a half hour, two like even two hour movies out of that and made it work just fine. But what killed the movies in my eyes is really just the decision to pad out so much stuff. We had to shoe in Legolas. We had to shoehorn in all this stuff with the, the, the necromancer who was mentioned in like the appendices of Lord of the Rings books as being doing certain things during this time of the Hobbit. So they, they decide to do the three movies, so they're like, okay, well, what can we add in here? Well, and then, you know, they also added in the whole, you know, feud with the the Pale Orc, which was some of the worst CGI. <laughs> and it, it hurts me as a Tolkien fan to have to, to rag on those movies. I mean, I can watch them, and I can respect what they did, but I freely admit those those movies should not have been made the way they were made. Right, right. But but yeah, but but my point was yeah, just his performances being that 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 drawn out descent into madness. Oh yeah, if, especially if, in the if, third one. Yeah, if if it's going to have to play out over three movies, at least you got to see that happen. Well, and you saw and, like the you know the other thing too his performance was, you know, you saw him, you know, like he meets Bilbo. He's not a real big fan, you know, he doesn't get what, you know, why they need him. Uh-huh. And then you kind of get that whole thing of like through by the end of the first movie, he's somewhat warmed up to him to the second one. He's very friendly with him to the point that when you do get that fall in the third movie where he's so deep into the, the you know, I think they call it the dragon sickness or whatever, uh-huh. you know, that he can't even see that what Bilbo's doing is trying to help him get past what his problem is. Yeah. But he's so blinded by it. That he's he's willing to turn his back on everybody. And that made a really, really good performance. And like I said, there were a couple scenes in that movie where I really think it's like, dude, he's going for an Oscar in a movie that's not even going to get nominated. Uh, well, <clears throat> I, I'm sure it got nominated for quite a few things, didn't it? Prob- I'm, I'm sure it got something for probably like special effects <laughs> yeah, and uh, like score and, all that score stuff, and yeah. stuff like that. But it was it was getting no screenwriting or acting. I'm pretty sure it didn't get anything for acting or anything. Um, yeah, that. But, but, but yeah, because that's just because uh, his descent into madness kind of parallels what you see in the real world with people that are suffering with dementia, Alzheimer's. Like the people around them see it happening, but it's happening so slowly to the person themselves. They don't know what's going on. Oh yeah, 
Um, and, and and then another thing is like you don't know it's ha- uh, by the time you notice something is wrong, it's already too late. The slippery slope is already going on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And he was you know by the time anybody realized where he was, it was long since a problem. Yeah. You know I I I, I love. I love his performance. I like the performance of a lot of the the minor characters in that movie. I just those movies. I just think, yeah, it definitely wouldn't be even as watchable as it is without that that performance. Especially you know, going back after knowing the arc, going back and just watching the subtle things playing uh-huh. out in the earlier parts. But I will say the other thing with the Hobbit movies is I really wish I could have seen the Guillermo del Toro version because that was who originally was supposed to be directing at least the first one. And right. I would have loved to see Guillermo del Toro play around in the Hobbit universe. Mm-hmm. But that's a, another side tangent I could easily go on for a while on. Right. Um, Let's go and go back to your, your ooh, next one. Okay, this, this is another one that, um, God, I even it even hurts me to say this one sometimes. Sigourney Weaver in the <sighs> Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection movies. Because you can't argue the first two movies are good movies. They're great movies. I'll, I'll even say, yeah, they're both great movies. Alien is probably one of my top, top 10 easy of all time. Right. Aliens has got to be really close. Like, you know, I mean, I, I have my things of like, I like Alien more than Aliens, but I still respect what Aliens is. But Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection would not be what they are without Sigourney Weaver. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, you could put a little bit on 3 to, uh, Charles S. Dutton, who acts his ass off in that movie, even mm-hmm. though even I got a feeling even he knew that this was going to be a shit movie. <laughs> hey, a paycheck's a paycheck. But at the same time, I still don't think Alien 3 is a horrible movie. I just don't think no. it lives up to what those first two set out to do. Oh, and no. you get this one and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to kill off these two characters you really care about off screen. And yeah, so I mean, and then resurrection or, uh, yeah, resurrection. That's another whole, uh, that's another whole bag of worms. Like I can, I can respect what was somewhat done with some of it. Like I liked some of the characters they brought in, but that movie was just a cheese fest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I was listening to that podcast. I listened to uh, evolution of horror and they were Uh talking about that at one point in time. And they were making the comment that, you know, it was written by Joss Whedon. And it's like, if you look at those characters, those are the archetypes for Serenity. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, shit. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Wow. wow. So, yeah, it's, it's basically you got to see the early version of Firefly in the Alien universe. Interesting. But, and, you know, like, I mean, Ron Perlman's never wrong to go with either, I guess. But. Yeah. No, no, she always... And- I think in almost everything she's been in, she puts in a performance. And it's kind of weird because uh, she's been so good for so long, and she still, I think she's kind of under the radar. I don't think she quite gets the recognition she deserves. So so you're, okay, I, I think I see, I just want to make sure I'm clear, getting clear on what you're saying. So you're basically saying you think she's so consistently great or good that it's just become so normal that you don't notice it anymore. Because I could see that. I, I think Hollywood in general doesn't notice it. Because, okay, I'll go. I'll go to an, another movie that she did that I think she acts the hell out of, it, and I think it's actually a good movie. Is Copycat, dude? Mm-hmm. She she plays a, a oh what is that symptom the the syndrome where you don't want to leave your house uh, agoraphobic. Uh huh. Yeah, and she plays that brilliantly, and so yeah, you I 
I can see what you're you're getting at. Yeah, she's like she's never really had a bad performance. And even her bad performances are probably better than most people's okay to good performances. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it yeah, it just kind of becomes such a a a baseline thing that you really can't <laughs> you can't help but overlook it and that's a shame. But and maybe it's because she's been in in, in the alien films because and, and I know you've mentioned before how it frustrates you that horror films aren't considered, you know, a top tier genre or whatnot. Uh, but uh, yeah, with her talent, she she should have been in the in a leading a leading role conversation every time, just like a Meryl Streep would, where you would always consider her for a lead role in your movie. But you know, it didn't happen, and I think but, maybe that was part of it is because she was in those horror films. But maybe maybe it's also her choice. Maybe you know, maybe some of it was her. You know, like being a little more selective on her roles. I don't. I don't know. I mean, and that's that's something you go you can go to with like you know like maybe that was the case with Vincent Perez going back to City of Angels. Maybe he just he never wanted to take that step into being the mega movie star. He just wanted to do movies he was comfortable doing. Yeah, yeah. But it's a shame. Mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, yeah, I can even think of a couple of movies that I didn't really care for that. Sigourney Weaver, like I didn't care for uh, was it Heartbreakers, the one with her and Jennifer Love Hewitt. You didn't like that? I love that movie. <laughs> I I I didn't think it was horrible. It just wasn't my cup of tea. But I yeah. think she did a great performance in it. Yeah, yeah. I then again, she's right. bouncing off Gene Hackman, and I don't see how you can go wrong with that. But yeah. <laughs> oh man, I can't believe you brought that one up. It's a bad one. I, I love that movie. I, I didn't say, like I said, I don't really say bad. It's just it wasn't my cup of tea. Right. It wasn't my favorite. I saw the merits of it. I had a fun time watching it once. Yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Well, um, my list is short. This is actually my last one. I oh, jeez. I, okay. I couldn't think of any more. But, so I guess I'll just be, a bounce, you'll just be bouncing off okay. the rest of the way. But uh, my last one. And I know I know there isn't a universe where you're going to disagree on this one. Oh, this um, ought to be interesting. Ewan McGregor in, the star, in, in episode one through three. You uh, you actually called my uh, my one pretty low on my list, except I added somebody else to that list. Oh, okay. As far as two people that put in amazing performances in, in all that trilogy, and I could watch just their parts. Ewan McGregor, and I'm going to massacre this last name, I'm giving you fair warning, Ian McDiarmid, the guy that played oh, uh, Palpatine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit, like, going, like... The Richard Armitage subtleties play in with him too. Like yeah, every conversation he has has a very pointed side to it that if you're not watching it, you have no idea what he's doing. But the mm-hmm. whole time he's playing this game of chess that nobody even puts together mm-hmm. because he's saying things and doing things that could be seen one way, but they're really to this greater goal that nobody's even seeing coming. Right, right. But yes, you and McGregor. Axe his ass off in that trilogy. It's almost embarrassing because everybody else is so awful. They're clearly just phoning it in for the paycheck. Yeah. And, you know, Natalie Portman's in that, and I'd love to say she put in a good performance, but I think she was just a paycheck. She was just reading lines. Yeah. Especially with her, her, like, well, then again, okay, and then how much of it could also be, though, with her, like, you know, 90% of her story, she has to be in a love story with Hayden Christensen. (laughs) Who is most, not holding up wooden, his side? The most wooden human being on the planet. 
Which is sad because I don't think he's always that bad. It's just in that movie franchise. Until he has to show emotion, he is. You might as well have a cardboard cutout of him on screen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mannequin Skywalker. That's right. Oh, I did think of one more, but it's not a movie. Well, it's well, it's a it's a technicality, but I'll allow it. Oh yeah. I I, I we can go with the different rules. I don't care what's what. Throw it at me, man. I was thinking of um. Oh God, you, you, you know the uh, the uh, M- MTV uh, the MTV version of Teen Wolf. Oh yeah, I never watched it, but I know you've you've always told me that the guy that plays Styles just yeah. Oh God, I forgot. I'm, I'm looking him up. Right Is that now. that Dylan okay. O'Brien? Dylan O'Brien, yeah, the guy that was in the Maze Runner trilogy. Uh huh, dude. He acts. It, it's a, it's a similar thing to the Ewan McGregor situation where he's just acting circles around everybody around him. Every scene he's in, he he's uh, just owning the whole scene. Well, I I thought just... he's I thought he did a great job in Maze Runner series as well. I mean, like I read the books and then read those, watched those movies, and he did an amazing job as the main character there. I have not gone to the Teen. I know you 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 were singing the praises of the Teen Wolf show as far as being a fun watch. It's not. It's not even. It, it mainly was just his his performance. You got to watch it for his performance. Really? Because you just not good. You it pushed not... you pushed through that an entire show, so I imagine like there was something else going for it. Well, there were a couple of girls on there that were kind of hot. Oh, okay. <laughs> and all becomes clear. But then again, uh, didn't he also do that episode of Amazing Stories we watched, where the guy goes back in yeah. time with the yeah. oh god, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, that was I a could. Good one. I could see that one. That's a that's a good pull. And like, yeah, well, he he. You know, but like I said, he's done movies, and I think he the movies I have seen him do, he's mm-hmm. a good actor. But like, not seeing Teen Wolf, I really can't say how how much he elevated compared to not. But it's almost embarrassing watching him act off of everybody else in that series. He's so good, and they're just they're, and they're just they're just there. I I don't know the rest of the cast, so like, but they may have had you know typical. MTV though, I mean, they're not going to get the best actors. They're just getting pretty well, yeah. people I that mean, might as well be cardboard cutouts on screen in hopes right. that people will just watch abs. Well, yeah, it it it, it could have been on the CW and, and it wouldn't have been out of place at all. That's exactly what it is. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, all right. I'm going to throw out a another tie-in here. Well, I guess we'll go back to the Alien universe because I'm going to go with Michael Fassbender in Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Mm-hmm. Once again, nuanced performances he puts in, especially in Prometheus, where he has to, you know, he's doing these subtle things that you're really not sure what his his motivations are until it's too late. And like other than Numi Rapace in Prometheus, he does act circles around most of that cast. Most everybody else is delivering these lines and they sound clunky as hell. He comes in, and every little thing he's doing, he's got like that very emotionless tone. Yet you still get there's something going on behind, you know, behind the eyes in David. Mm-hmm. And you get to the second one where he has to play two totally different versions of himself. That, that, that was incredible. That was really well done. And you know, it's like okay, so to the point that you actually can forget which one you're looking at at times. Uh-huh. You're like, okay, am I seeing David or am I seeing... I can't remember what the second one was called now off the top of my head. But, uh-uh. 
it, it doesn't matter. But, you know, yeah, yeah. he's... He plays those two parts in the second one really well. I mean, once again, I think there were other performers that were okay in those movies, and I, I like those movies on the whole, but I think it's it's mostly his performances that make those movies what they are, to, even to me. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one to me. And I, then again, I think Michael Fassbender. I think he's he's probably another man crush, and I just haven't acknowledged it yet because <laughs> there's a lot of things I've seen him in that I really liked him in, even if the movie wasn't great itself. No, I, I, oh, Walter, Walter was the... Walter, there you go. Yeah. God, you Googled um, that, didn't you? I did, I had to. It, was, it, was, it, was, it once, it gets, once it gets stuck in my head, I'm like, dude, this is going to bug me, it's going to haunt me. <laughs> but, 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 but no, uh, I agree with you. He, his performance in Covenant, playing those two different uh, roles was, it, it was really something else. And actors have done that over the years, you know, where they play multiple people in one movie, but... But uh, it's, it's rare to see it at a nuanced level like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he, you know, yeah, mo- but then again, let's face it, most time you see it, it's like Eddie Murphy in the the Nutty Professor movies or uh-huh. freaking Adam Sandler doing, oh, was it Jack and Jill, the one where he played his fat sister as well? Right. And it just, it? Yeah, they're, they're using costume to... To sell the point that they're they're two different people rather than the performance. Yeah, um, I think the closest you really get to him is another one that you kind of you kind of feel falls in this category. I don't, but that split with um, oh god, I lost. I had his name in James McAvoy playing uh-huh. like the what eight different personalities. Uh huh. That was that was something else. And yeah. you have this like little switch that almost turns with him sometimes, like between them. Uh-huh. And that is crazy to watch um you know so much so that you get that you get that with um uh in no way home you got that with uh willem dafoe like you know there's the subtleties that are happening when he's going between norman osborne and the goblin Mm -hmm. or you know not a personal performance more of an acting performance with the you know mocap though is Gollum in the lord of the rings you know you get these really subtle nuances but having to do that yourself makes it so much more impressive, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will always praise Andy Serkis as Gollum. He mm-hmm. does some amazing stuff in that. But like watching a person have to do it themselves and find ways to make a character stand out just enough, but at the same time make you question what you're looking at. <laughs> right, right. No, no, that, that, that example of Willem Dafoe was something else because that scene when they're all when they're all in the in, in the apartment and he switches. Oh yeah, that 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 really that actually creeped me out. Like you just you just feel a sense of unease because it's like you know something's coming. Well, I mean the, the only thing that sucked is you you know let's face it, watching that scene, you know it's going to be him when the 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 spider sense starts going. Right, you know it's going to be Norman, but yep. it's how are they going to do this? How are they going to uh, play this out? And you know he looks. Perfectly fine and just, you know, not, you know, uh, what's a uh, harmless. Mm-hmm. And then till he's not. Mm-hmm. And that is where it delivered. You know, he's, he, you know, but then again, I felt they did it in the first Spider-Man really well too, yeah. where he's got the mirror and, you know, mm-hmm. outside the mirror, he's this like, almost like crumbling in his, like, you know, his insecurity about the situation or he's he's afraid of what's going on. And then every time right. it shows him in the mirror, he's got that sinister smile. Uh-huh. And just, ugh. 
<laughs> but again, I mean, he's a creepy looking dude as it is, so it's not hard yes, for him to is. look creepy. But yeah, um, definitely. Let's see here. I'm 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 gonna try to go through these here because I don't like not all these have to be mentioned. I because I've got like eleven of them listed here, but not all <laughs> of them do I have to go with. Um. Okay, I'm gonna go with this one because this is one that. I like the movie, but I will only ever watch it the one time I watched it, and that's Tony Collette in Hereditary. Uh-huh. Her performance is what made that movie, but her performance is the reason I can never watch that movie again. Uh-huh. The uncomfort level that I had watching that movie with her, you know, the the feeling of the mental illness she's going through, or is it mental illness? That's the whole catch. I mean, but right. That movie was so uncomfortable for me to watch because of her performance and her instability mentally. And that stands out to me. But like I said, I can never watch that movie again. It was too uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hard agree with you on that one. Um, I was surprised that when you sent me your list that that was on there because I thought you were trying to say that Oh, this—it's a bad movie, but it's only—it's like no, that's not a bad movie at all. No, and that's see, that's like, like I said, this is this is kind of a questionable one because, like I said, that's why I say okay movies. Like I will even say this one is a great movie. Like mm-hmm. for what it does, it's great. But the problem is, what it does does not sit well with me, right? And it makes it so uncomfortable and awkward that I can never watch it again. But I can say I watched it the one time, and I can I will talk its praises. But I will always put the caveat, if you are even slightly affected by very real depictions of mental illness, do not watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm not even a huge fan of, of horror films, and I thought, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those movies, and like I said, you know, it, it has its moments of true horror, but really the, the, the true horror of that movie is watching her slow decline. Uh-huh. And watching her, you know, like flip the switch, so to speak, between being perfectly stable and completely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be in a dream sequence or in reality or, you know, and then an- another point that she, she really delivers is there's a sequence after the daughter dies and they just have this really quick sequence of her on the floor, just wailing in tears mm-hmm. and, I almost teared up watching that scene because there's her emotion like just like is hitting you in waves mm. in that sequence. And it's like, it was, Oh my God, it was so hard to watch, but I loved it. Well, yeah. That movie was just uh, made you feel uncomfortable from start. But to see, finish. I, I think that's that right there explains the great thing. What a horror movie can do. Any good movie should be able to do it though. And that's grab your emotion and just play with it. Like it's a marionette. And you have no control over it. If a movie is doing that, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. You know, horror, comedy, drama. I don't care what you're doing. If you can get in there and control my emotions without me realizing it, you you, you get at least a claim for being able to do that, even if your movie shit in the long run. Right. Um, but yeah, that, 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 like I said, that's kind of a technicality. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I just can never watch it again. Um, now, now we're going to a truly horrible movie that I think has a good performance in it, considering the situations. And um, that's Jackie Earl Haley in the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. That movie is, I will never defend that movie for being good. 
I think it falls apart in so many ways, but I think Jack Earl Haley took a role that there was no way he was going to win. Taking yep. over Robert England's spot as Freddie is a no-win situation, and he took it, and he did a really good performance. He didn't try to just do a take on Robert England doing Freddie. He tried to make it his own. Unfortunately, Michael Bay's production company fucked him in the long run with a horrible plot, horrible story, you know, horrible script, which is this one standout performance. Like, if I could just get a cut of that movie that's just him, maybe I'd watch it again. <laughs> and keep in mind, I did rewatch that not too long ago because I want to do research and it was painful. Well, oh, it was painful. I don't know. I Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of that movie either, but I, I, I agree with you. Jack Yearly Haley was a strong, was a strong, uh, performance in that one but uh what, what i liked about it was uh in the in the 80s uh nightmare and all streams movies you know he was supposed to be a child molester in that one too and blah 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 but but it was kind of like oh by the way he was this and it was it, that was never who he was in those movies that's not that's not why he's a monster it's just oh by the way well, this was a thing he did and, and how he wind up being burned to death and see, here's here here's why where I uh, where my my hours and hours of watching movies and documentaries on Nightmare on Elm Street, since it is probably one of my favorite horror movies because it was the first one to truly scare me. Um, but I was way too young to watch it the first time I watched it. Um, right. uh, is in the original script, it was very clear he was a child molester. It was very clear he was a reprehensible person. That these people, like he got away. These people took their own justice. They took that out of the script out of worries that people would get too upset with that. It's like, why? You're doing you're you're showing these people kill him. You're giving them more reason for people to be behind them wanting to burn this man alive. Right. You just say, Oh yeah, he had a thing for he was a kid killer. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's still bad. But uh, you get into the fact he's diddling kids and he's killing them. I'm sorry, you you got and and yeah, they did do they did so, bring that he, to the they, forefront in that yeah. remake. And I'm telling you, he you look at you look at the man in that movie. If somebody told you this guy diddles kids, you'd be like, I believe it. Oh, fully. I would. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't second guess that in a second from looking at him. I mean, he's he's got the William William Defoeitis. Yeah, yeah. He's got the face. That just, you know, yeah, he, and, and I, I think that face is also why he worked as Rorschach. Like uh -huh. he just, that unstable look to just, just him standing there. He looks unstable. Uh -huh. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I, said, I <sighs> okay, I'll give him credit for bringing the, like I said, he puts in a good performance and yes, bringing the, the actual child molestation to the forefront, but you know, trying to make it look like, oh no, he was wronged. For a brief point of the movie until you find out it was fake. Um, front loading the movie with all the kills and then the second mm -hmm. half of the movie is all the exposition. Yeah, yeah. I'm the like, piecing was all wrong. It was just a number of mistakes that his good performance stands out throughout. And there were actually some good actors and actresses that did parts in that movie. You know, Connie Britton played the mother Nancy's mom, and I think she's a good actress. Mm -hmm. Just not in that movie. Um, oh, what is but, the, but, oh, there's but, the but chick. You, but how do you miss the pacing of a, of a horror movie up that bad? Have they never seen a horror movie? Well, it's Michael Bay. What do you expect? <laughs> I don't think that man knows how to do a good movie. Oh, oh, without, without somebody else's help. I'll put it that way. He's like Zack Snyder. You give him a good team up. 
he might pull out a good movie. You make him do it on his own, you end up with Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that one that one hurts me. I think is the other problem is like I said, being a fan of Nightmare on Elm Street, it hurt that they couldn't do a good remake. Yeah, but I I will always preach that I think Jack Earl Haley delivered on that that role for the uphill battle he was in. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that one. Um, that's, that's a definitely good pick. Let's see what other ones here we got. Oh, here, here's one that I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what you think on this one. Because I'm going to go to the early aughts, probably, I think it was. The original Fantastic Four movie. Oh, okay. And there are only two good performances in that movie. And they are? Chris Evans and Michael Chiklis. I think those two catch their characters. And they make those characters fun. Michael Chiklis getting to play the, you know, the the bruiser of, you know, like, you know, but he's fighting with the fact that, you know, yeah, he was this ladies man and now he's a rock bean and kind of fighting with that. And then Chris Evans bouncing off of him. I really think those two elevated that movie way higher than it has any right to be on (laughs) rewatch. You don't, you don't think Julian McMahon was the standout performance in that movie? I think he was Okay. I think he, wow. I think he did a decent job, but I really think you know, you know, I, I don't know. Like I just think, I think Michael Chiklis's turn as as the thing, just Ben Grimm just really sold that movie to me. And like I said, his playoff with Chris Evans playing that cocky kind of you know fast talking character really worked to me. And mm-hmm. they felt the most like the closest to what little I've read of Fantastic Four in the comics. They really felt like they captured the characters better than anybody else did. Let's face it, though. We all know who the worst performance in that movie series is with Jessica Alba. She should have never been cast as Sue Storm. I even think that the guy playing uh, Reed doesn't do a horrible job. It's just he has to carry Jessica Alba for so much of that movie. He he, he was another he's another actor that I thought was going to go somewhere like he had an upward trajectory going from there. But he never really did. I've never seen him in anything else. I'm sure he's been in other stuff, but yeah, I'm too lazy to look that up. Yeah, well, well, and then <laughs> Julian. Okay, now Julian McMahon, that was Doctor Doom, right? Uh huh. <sighs> My only knock on him as Doctor Doom is he did not lean far enough into it, into being Doom. And that that could be like I mean, like I said, I I can I can think back and say he's he's decent. Like he does a good job at being a scenery chewing villain. But I don't. I guess I always thought of Doctor Doom as more of a cold, calculating character. I didn't really feel like he came off that way. He just came off as this ham fisted yeah. villain. That's what I mean. Is he didn't lean hard enough into it? I'm hoping maybe now that it's under Marvel uh, again, that when they finally do a Fantastic Four movie, we'll get we'll get a Doom that's more like the Doom that was in the uh, the Hickman run. Okay, so so curiosity. Who 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 would you cast to be your perfect Doom then? Because I, I don't know where to go with this one. Honestly, I think Michael Fassbender would, would kill it. I would I would sign on. For, I think he but, could. I think he, with, with what he but, did with Walter and but, David, yeah, he could be cold and calculating. Yeah, I don't know if they'd ever do it, though. With him being, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's Magneto. I don't know if they would ever cast him, though. But, but the but, fact that there don't really seem to be grabbing too much from that X-Men universe... You know who knows? You know, I, I guess. Yeah, I forgot. I, I wasn't even thinking about the Magneto 
the whole Magneto thing. So, but yeah, I guess that would kind of try to think of like, if, if I were to, if I were to cast a Dr. Doom. Now you got to think uh, the performance I'm looking for is Doom is cold. He's calculating. He's also the most arrogant creature on the planet. He, he, in his mind, he is, he is a, a god among men. Then going with those standings, and this, this is going to sound weird, I know, to most people, because I haven't even seen him in anything in a while. So it all depends on if he, he still looks, looks the part. Um, I'd say Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in, in uh, oh God, uh, Smallville. Smallville. Yes, it was, a very, it was a very CW show, early CW show, so it wasn't full CW, but his performance of Lex Luthor is still the best live-action Lex Luthor. He was cold, he was calculating, he was very, very manipulative in these slow, you know, like prodding ways. He wasn't just all out in your face, right. I'm evil, but he... He had these slow little, like these subtle little things he was always doing that were like, okay, this could be for the better. This could be for the worse. Uh-huh. Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> no, that, that, that's an interesting choice. I don't know if he has the look, though, but then again, yeah. who knows? Who knows? He might. Well, yeah. He well, you're also talking about a guy that could be under a mask the entire movie, though. That's fair. That's fair. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's the other thing is, you know, yeah. Do you get Michael Fassbender and put him under a mask majority of the movie? Because, like, to me, you can't do Doom without that that mask. Oh, yeah. You know, you have him get scarred, have him have the mask on. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of actors that probably wouldn't be okay with that. They'd be like, no, I want my face on screen. Right, right. Um, no, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's a that's a tough <laughs> one, though. I, I, I didn't even think about it until I asked you a question. I'm like, God, I don't even know who I'd put in that position. I, think, I don't yeah. know who I'd cast for any of those parts at this point in time. I mean... But- but he's he's just not he's not a scene a scene chewing villain. Well, no, Doom, he's Doom. Doom is evil. He's smart, and he believes he's he's the most perfect being around. And he is not above doing something with the good guys if it meets his goal mm-hmm. in a darker way. You know, he'll he will help the Fantastic Four defeat this other villain with the intent of like, okay, yeah, I'll defeat the villain. I'll take his whatever he had brewing over here and add it to my stockpiles right. to later on be the ultimate evil. Uh-huh. So I I can't argue with like I, I I would like to see my excuse me Michael Fassbender take over. I think he could do that role. Uh-huh. Um, okay, I'll go out one more. So let's see where do I want to go with this? Because I have a couple other ones on here, but okay, I'll go with this one because. I don't think you've seen that. Have you, you haven't seen the two new Halloween movies, have you? The two no. latest ones? No, <laughs> no, I didn't think so. Um, so I'll go with. No, but if you want to talk about them, no, nah, it's 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 okay. It's it's like you know I could. Eh. They're, 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 uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, Chris Pratt and the Tomorrow War, because I rewatched that movie and on first viewing I loved every second of that movie. Uh-huh. Second viewing, I think only him and J.K. Simmons really delivered in that movie. It was a fun movie. Yeah. But his performance of, you know, the guy that's really upset with he's not, you know, he didn't get that professor's job or whatever it was. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he gets drafted and taken to the future where he finds out his daughter is now leading this revolution, essentially. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Um <laughs> But that his 
like every little interaction he has with the actress that plays his grown up daughter, I cannot remember her name off the top of my head. I should because she was Miranda in Mass Effect. Oh, that's right. Um, but you know, his interactions with her after that, after figuring that out is just amazing. Cause like he wants to be her father, but at the same time, he's seen this very strong, independent woman that he essentially somewhat raised. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like, they never really get into that. Like how much was he really there for her? Because yeah, he goes away into this war and then comes right. back and supposedly changes. <clears throat> Right, he wants to be her father, but from her point of view, she let her father go. Yeah, her father she, died she, because he became an asshole, basically. Right, she 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 doesn't need a father from from that point on. She she said her goodbye and moved on. But no, uh, uh, his performance was thinking back on that. Yeah, and the movie itself is definitely a Amazon Prime quality. It's a it's a popcorn it's flick. A, you make you make yourself a box of a bag of popcorn. You sit there, you watch it. You're gonna have a good time. Yeah. But it's it's not doing anything new. It's not it's not transcendent experience. But like I said, and then I think J.K. Simmons is Chris Pratt's father puts in a really good performance. But then again, I don't think J.K. Simmons can do a bad performance either. No, no, he's a solid actor. I mean, even his farmers commercials are delivering anymore. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that's the last one I'm going to go with. Cause yeah, I, I could talk about Jamie Lee Curtis, but you know, eh. Whoa! Well, I, I yeah, I haven't seen those newer Halloween. Well, You're not missing anything. That's that's the problem. Is yeah. like liking the original ones. <sighs> Screw it. You got me going now. I might as well say it. But yeah, she, she go for it. Go for it. She delivers a good performance as a take on. Uh, oh God, what was her name? I, I'm trying to remember what Ju- her Julie Strode. No, that's, not Julie. Was it Julie Strode? Was it Julie Strode? I thought. Wait. Wow, you'd think I'd remember this off the top of my head considering yeah, how big. Lori Strode. God damn. Lori, I knew Julie didn't say Lori Strode, yes. Okay. Okay. Anyways, it the the two new ones throw out everything after the first one. So it's going back to like she survived that one night. Michael was captured. He's in this insane asylum. These kids are doing research. They track down Lori, and she's like basically a survivalist now planning for the day that eventually Michael breaks out and comes after her. Everything she does is great. Everything else about those movies is a fucking train wreck to me. Oh, uh, how disappointing. Cause it's like, you know, yeah. And that's, that's what sucks. It's like, I'm like, Oh my God, she's coming back. We're going to see what, you know, what John Carpenter somewhat had plans on doing. Cause like it's John Carpenter very much got behind these. Um, but yeah, so she's, she puts in these great performances, but like, yeah, you have the whole thing of like, he only goes crazy because these people who are tra- like, who want to do a, a story, like a, I can't remember if it's a story or it's a paper on Michael Myers. So they go and find her and talk to her. Well, they, they go to the insane asylum and they have his mask and they show him his mask. And that's what makes him suddenly decide, okay, now I need to get out of here after 30, 40 years being in an insane asylum. That's yeah, <laughs> he he tracks the people down, kills them, takes his mask back, and then goes back to Haddonfield, where, like I said, Lori's ready for him. She's this survivalist. By all rights, it should have ended with that one, but they retconned it so they could do two more movies. Oh, 
I'm kind of glad I didn't watch that because you know, my first yeah. thought when you tell me that my first thought is why did he have to break out of the asylum and go kill those people for his mask? His mask is a William Shatner mask painted white. Pick one up off of Amazon and save yourself the kills. Goddamn. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. There's this thing called eBay. <laughs> Type in Michael Myers mask. I'm sure it'll come up. Yep, no, um, but yeah, so yeah, he gets it. Like, But yeah, at the end of 2018, she you find out like this bunker she had, like uh, Lori had hidden underneath her house was a trap for Michael. They lock him in there. They set the house on fire. They burn him. The new one, Halloween Kills, you find out that like somehow he survived this inferno in the basement. Right. He kills every freaking motherfucker that shows up as the fire department. And then you introduce this whole thing of like, oh no, he has nothing against Lori. He just wants to go back to his home and stare out a window. Wow. Not to mention, like, there's this whole subplot with like the whole town is rallying now that Michael's back to like go and slaughter you know, Michael Myers to the point that like they kill an innocent, uh, like mental patient thinking it's Michael. And I'm like, dude, you're just stacking this against you. And then it, of course it ends with an open ending because you got to have the third one coming out next year. Oh God. <sighs> is, is, uh, is she going to be part of that too? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's yeah. So this, this next one's Halloween ends and, Hopefully it lives up to his title and it just ends it. I'll watch it just to see how they wrap it up. Because maybe the second movie just sucks because it's the middle chapter. And knowing you got that third one totally ruins the second one sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. Well. I I want I want it to be redeemed, but I'm not having hopes. Yeah. It's just not for me. That's the way I look at it. Because unfortunately <laughs> I know there's a lot of people who love the the especially loved Halloween kills. Uh-huh. Oh, it's so much bloody. The other one's boring. I'm like, I don't know. You tell me personally, you, uh, you imply something, you don't show it to me. My head's going to come up with something way worse than what you're showing me in those movies. Uh-huh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is proof of that one. That movie yeah. still haunts me. Well, it, at least the ones that you, that you enjoyed in the original ones, they're still there. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't take away that the original one. And I, I am unapologetically a fan of two, four and five, even though they're not great movies. But I will always, I will always like those movies for the funness, funness of them. Just like I like all the later Friday the Thirteenth, even though they become incredibly ridiculous after a point. But that's we, the fun we, of them. Would you say you stand strong? I would say I stand strong on this. <laughs> oh my god! I said the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, I am going to thank anybody listening. For listening to me, me and my buddy, me and my buddy rant about weird shit because we can ramble. I am going to thank Spider for my art and for my awesome tattoo work. And I'm going to thank you, Tony, for agreeing to join me on this yet again when you could easily just say, man, go fuck yourself. (laughs) I'll save that for some other time. It's always in my back pocket. I know it is. (laughs) That and call me a bitch. It's just, it's natural. Yeah, <laughs> but, but no, it, it, it was nice to be on. You know, we we'd probably just have this conversation anyway. Hey, at least we got to record it. Yeah, it, it's it's not just for posterity now. <laughs> Do it for the content. No, yeah. um. <laughs> anyways, so with that, I am going to wish all my happy listeners. Oh, wait a second! I have to get my email out there. 
just in case anybody is interested in emailing me, they can hint, find hint. me. What? Hint, hint. Is that what you said? Yeah. You can't see my winking. Uh, you can email me at standstrongcast at gmail.com. I, I appreciate any comments, suggestions. Hell, if you're just writing, tell me I suck. I'll accept it. You're wrong, but I'll accept it. So with that, I will wish everybody a good day. Later.